Well, you're very welcome back to the Jack McDonald Show. Uh, T minus 23 hours. No, not until Christmas, until I complete my theory test. It's down to Ballina. Now, last uh, the last show or, or, or last season, I, I brought you along for the ride almost as I went down to Port Leash with the mother in the driving seat, m- myself in the passenger seat as we ventured at six o'clock in the morning to go and get the theory test done and dusted, have it done. It uh, turns out that when we opened the results live on air, it was not the results we were looking for. 28 out of 40, and it wasn't great. But as I've said to people, that now is really the cr- now is really crunch time. You know, if you fail your first time, it's a bit of crack. But failing the second time, you're a real you're a loser. You're a real. You're, you're a low life, really. Failing the theory test twice is not something you want in any kind of publication. Last time, my only prep, really, was the theory test quiz game, which went down a smash hit for everybody apart from the RSA, who were not happy and did not take it as uh, sufficient proof that I knew the rules of the road. But f- figuring that I have something like 23 hours until my next theory test, the big one, I figured we'd bring it back, but this time we changed the instructor because last time the instructor was Shane and he was poor. He was he was very poor. We're hoping that this man that we're bringing in will instead change the game. Cahill, how are things? Well, Jack, first, hopefully, second time's a charm for you this time around. Uh, I certainly uh, think you it's will be a loser. It's going to be bad if, if I fail don't. it the second time. It's really not going to be good, especially because I'm putting no, it out publicly as well, Carl. That's the even worse part. I might have to delete this episode if I fail. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, if you fail, you, at least you're not going to Port Leash for it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no one wants to stay in Port Leash. Uh, Carl, Carl, also, the fan pages will genuinely be delighted because last time you appeared on this program was at the start of our summer run daily. You were doing these long film reviews with myself and looking back on them, they were quite luxurious. We were giving ourselves 20 or 25 minutes to talk about a film when the likes of Claire Byrne would talk about it for two minutes. But regardless, ever since you disappeared, you decided to enter the horrible world of employment and and leave the community radio world behind. The people on every TikTok live stream, will there's this account called uh, Bring Back Cahill O'Boyle, I think it's called. And every time it would comment, where's Cahill? Bring back Cahill. Bring back Cobb. Bring back C-O-B. So I would like to say to those people, you can stop the threats, stop the allegations. Cahill O'Boyle is back on your screens. About time. Um, About time. The money was too good. The money was too good. But, you were uh, lapping it up. Well, let's get, let's get into it. Uh, it's time as I said before, to play the theory test game. Jack, what is the recommended method of driving the car with an automatic transmission? You have to give the four options. There are no options. No, there are. You're on your own in this one. So, operate the accelerator with the right foot, operate the accelerator with the right foot and the brake with the left foot, Operate the accelerator with the left foot, both the brake and accelerator, I should say, and use the handbrake to bring the vehicle to a halt. Okay, so I'm going to say accelerator and brake, right foot. Operate the accelerator and brake with the right foot. Is that correct? 
We have a winner. You've yes. Won one one question. Or one out of one. All right, Balan is not going to know what hit them. Next one. What color traffic light comes on after non-flashing amber? Non-flashing is amber. It flashing red light. Flashing amber light. A red only or a green only. It depends. Are we in a techno rave in Budapest or a cross lane street in Bagavaring? I'm uh, going to say if we're, in a, if we're in a cross lane straight, uh, street in Bagavari, I will say straight red. Red only. He's gone for red. Oh, he is right. <laughs> two out of he two. He is right. And you know what I love about this, Carl? This is tantalizing podcasting. No one has ever tried this kind of thing before. Hopefully the RSA clipped this up and use it for other potential delinquents who have failed their first theory test. Well, two out of two so far. Uh, Four more questions to go. We've got a tough one, man. You see Daniel O'Donnell in the middle of the road. What do you do? Is it A, flash your headlights and move into the hard shoulder? B, Make a U-turn. Or C, break sharply. Break sharply. Jack, I'm sorry. It's make a U-turn. <laughs> Depends, is Magella there? Is Magella there? And has, <laughs> has, has Magella put him in the middle of the road or what exactly is has transpired to go into that situation? I think she's got a new insurance policy out. <laughs> yeah. Life Daniel insurance. Donald. Right. Uh, so what? I'm that. That's that's two out of three. My first loss. Two out of three. You see, you think, by the way, by the way, you think for for a oh. fictional oh, restart. You, it's like a Charlie Scott run back the thing. You think, Cahill, for a fictional question which was made up, you could at least give me the right answer. But all right, next one. You have to get one wrong. It seems more realistic. Um, you don't cheat in a test and get all the answers right, make yourself suspicious. But either way, you see Dunica O'Callaghan in the middle of the road. What do you do? A. Flash your headlights and move to the hard shoulder. B. Make a U-turn. C. Break sharply. Or D. Keep going at speed. Keep going at speed. Flatten Dunica bing, 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 bing. We've had an answer. We've got a winner. You've better than 28 out of 40 anyway. <laughs> well, Carl, it's, uh, I mean, that's three out of four, you know? It's, it looks well, like maybe this next trip down to Ballina will be a success. Um, oh, yeah. Certainly, maybe, as long as my wheels, you know what will happen? I'll go down to Ballina, I'll, wi- I'll, you know, I'll su- win, I'll pass the theory test, something that most people do, 96% of people do on the first time, but I'll pass the theory test, I'll come out, and the wheels will be gone from my car. Oh, God. Well... <laughs> Just kick the tires and light some fires after that, I suppose. I suppose. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Carl, it has been a pleasure. I'm sure we will catch up with you at another point in time. With, there we with, go. With a tantalizing segment like that, you know, we'll have to have a sequel. Who knows? Maybe I'll fail just on purpose so I can be the guy who uh, really has a third crack at the theory test and I can actually have you or Shane or somebody else maybe even come back and ask me Shane versus questions. I doing the test. Shane <laughs> versus I quizzing you on the test. Exactly. Well, thanks, Carl. All right, a lot to get to on today's show. Keith Walsh, 
the former 2FM presenter. You will know him as the man who brought you Breakfast Republic. He heralded the team, of course, with Jennifer Zamparelli and Bernard O'Shea. In my opinion, the best breakfast show that there has been since probably Hector or somebody like that. Incidentally, on Hector, I was actually watching old clips there of Hector and I searched breakfast with Hector because, of course, that was his 2FM show. It was wildly popular. It did something like 300,000 listeners a day, which is just, you know, crazy. Keith talks about it later in his interview. But I was searching that on YouTube. And of course, you get the odd clip, you know, because it's RTE, why on earth would they strain themselves to go and actually release a full show or, God forbid, at least, you know, more than two minutes. But you get the odd clip of Hector. But if you keep scrolling down, right, scroll down, scroll down, there is a Mexican man who just who called Hector, who continuously makes his breakfast and films it unedited and puts it on YouTube. So if you search for breakfast with Hector, you will get Hector Ohokagon, but you also get Hector, the Mexican, who makes his breakfast on YouTube. Anyway, Keith Walsh is coming up. Fascinating chat. He did, unfortunately... Get, it gets interrupted because he's touring his new play, Pure Mental. And as he was touring it, right, um, he's obviously rehearsing it. And so I didn't realize, but he was rehearsing. He was due to rehearse it as we were to really to begin the interview. And so you will hear, you, you will hear a, a siren or a signal in the background once, and we just kind of laugh it off. And then by the second time, he goes, yeah, I think maybe I'm supposed to be rehearsing. And then eventually some fella does come down and say, yeah, Keith, it's t- time to get on the stage. So, you know, uh, I think the, the interview could have gone for three or four hours. It was great chat nonetheless. So Keith coming up in a minute. But then after that, we've got, you know, a few, a few little snippets in the news. Uh, obviously, the theory test and, and just the storm, really, Storm Barra has kind of put a, a dampener on any news stories. And then we will be also rounding off the show with another interview, fascinating insight, a woman called Shelley BJs. Now, that's not her real name, but she is a OnlyFans girl as, long, as well as a stripper up in Dublin, and she gives fascinating insight on what it's like to be in that industry. She answers every question from how she got started to if she would recommend it to a brother or to a sister. And she also is the first one to pilot a new game we are trialing on the Jack McDonald show. It's called Porn Star or Country and Western Singer. And she, I can tell you now, she does phenomenally well. Good, Jack. Good. How are you doing? Good, Keith. Well, uh, I mean, there's uh, there's a wealth of things to get to. Obviously, you're still on tour and you're, you're doing a lot of things. But firstly, Keith, I want to bring up that I actually have a gripe with you. All right. Ooh, starting with a row. I like it. I, yeah. So it, the year, I think it was from maybe 2011 to 2013 or maybe 2014, something like that. So during your stint on The Breakfast Show, I would uh, I was a young kipper around that time and I'd be going on the bus to school. And you would always set up the links so that it would be, I think maybe it's 20 to 8 or something. So it'd be music, music. And then the chat would start and you would say something to the effect of, well, coming up after the break, two fellas from Cavan fight each other to the death or something. And then, of course, the bus would come and I would have to, I would be forced to dismount, never to find out what the two fellas from Cavan ended up, you know, doing. 
Um, maybe I was too good at forward selling what was coming up on the show. You know, maybe I was too good at my job, Jack. Do you know what I mean? Because I think I think you are qu- you are quite good, but you always placed the best stuff. I think between eight and half eight, or or eight to nine that hour. So the rest of us who had to go to school at you know these god unfortunate hours couldn't actually lo- listen to the program. Yeah, there was a bit there where we kind of just it was kind of, maybe there was a. Uh, it was very radio-y, but like there was a sweep of like maybe 15 minutes where there was probably like an ad break and some songs and people probably didn't get the true essence of the show. If they were only tuned in for sort of like those 20 minutes, they might have got one chunk of chat mm. and then songs and ads and then like kind of a little chat and then coming up, you know. So uh, I apologize for that, Jack. I, I sincerely apologize. I'm sorry, man. It's all right. You're making up for it now, uh, Keith. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for coming on. You know, I was looking around at your other interviews and you're very generous with your time. You've, you know, you, you're, you seem to be a lot of people's first podcast episode, which seems bizarre. They kind of, I wonder, do they teach it at UCD or something? If you're thinking of starting a podcast, ring up Keith, he'll come on. You, so you're very generous with your time. <laughs> well, I am very, I am generous with my time and I'm not like, that's not me bigging myself up. It's because when, especially like someone like yourself or whatever, I like to see people being enterprising. Uh, I like to see people getting involved in podcasting, broadcasting. Um, so generally, if people ask me, I say yes, because, yeah, why not? Like, if I have the time, I'll do it. And I can generally find, you know, half an hour or an hour for somebody. So, and, and, you know, when I was... When I was a young uh, broadcaster or when we were older and we were looking for interviews from people, you know, we, I always like people who, who obviously agreed to come on or were good with their time or didn't mind. And, and it's promotion as well. So um, unfortunately, I, you know, not unfortunately, but, you know, I, I work in an industry where, you know, you, you need to be out there. You need to be uh, visible. Um, and I don't see the point of, being so busy that you can't sort of come on and have a chat with somebody. I also like podcasting and I like talking. So all of those things um, add up to the fact that uh, I'm very happy to to be on people's podcasts. And and also, yeah, as I said at the start, just to encourage that kind of enterprise in people. Yeah, go for it. And if I can help in any way, I will. Do you rigorously vest the shows you go on? Because I was reading a story actually about a guy who was doing a press tour in America and he found himself on a clan podcast. So I, I don't think you've ever found yourself on a clan podcast, but presumably you have to maybe give a once over before you agree to these requests yeah generally i'll have a little look and see what they've what they've been doing um <laughs> i noticed you had a chat with george hook at one point which i think i might have listened to so i thought if this guy can take on george then he's he's, he's a good lad how was the, how was your chat with george how did you find him it was good. There was actually, uh, this story uh, will bore many people, but it was actually two uh, two chats because I recorded one and it was quite good. We got a little bogged down in COVID type talk, but it was quite good. And I opened it up. I was doing radio at the time, so it was going to be my first big interview on my summer radio show. I opened it up and my audio is fine, but George Hook has absolutely nothing there. It's just his uh, lips moving, no audio. So eventually... I got the courage to uh, ring George back and he did agree to come back. And I think it was much better that time, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, that's well, fair play to him. And, and uh, you know, it is, that's the tough thing to do if you're into podcasting or recording guests is to ring them back and say, that didn't record or, you know, I deleted that by accent or I can't find the file. That's absolutely the worst. The other thing with podcasts is if you can't get onto the Late Late Show, 
you could just do loads of podcasts. You know, try and make up the numbers yeah. of people that would see on the Late Late Show on a Friday night in podcasts. And I think you make a you make a better connection with people as well. Often, you know, maybe not maybe not to, to the same scale, but a lot of the late late show listeners or, or viewers are there for one reason. I don't know if you saw Mario Rosenstock on there recently. Uh, he had a tough time because the crowd was very clearly there for Christy Moore, so they weren't that interested in cer- some of his impressions. And you know that's not his fault. But you know, so you are running the gambit. Whereas if people see the Jack McDonald show, Keith Walsh, and they go, "Nah, fuck that guy," or "Yeah, I love Keith," you know, you 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 have a little bit more of, I suppose, a buy-in. Yeah, people people are there for you. Um, I kind of, I suppose. With George, I feel like we've got a bit in common. Did you talk to him about his his show ending up and 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 what how he felt about that afterwards? We we talked to, we talked a little about that. I can't remember if that was in the one that went out or not. But I didn't I didn't go into the morals of it to be honest with you because he's an eighty year old man. He seems to have you know apologized for the mistakes and you know he was always the one who was always going to be a little controversial anyway so you know and he seems to have paid his retribution and I'm you know an 18 year old holding an 80 year old to account is just you know hypocritical beyond belief so we went into a little bit but you know certainly it wasn't a court case it is interesting that you say that because um many of us as 18 year olds will do and say things that we when I was 18, I could do whatever I wanted because it wasn't ever going to be recorded. There was no phones. No one was taking a video. Um, in fact, uh, I remember a few years ago, a friend of mine sent me pictures that she had of me in uh, in kind of a, not just either drunk or, you know, sort of like out of it. And she was like, I'm sending you these because now you're famous and, I'm, I, and I have them. So I'm going to send them to you. So, you know, I won't try and bribe you or anything. Mm. So it's different now, but also the George thing, you know, he, he, what he said was uh, was wrong, and the way he said it was wrong. But it was kind of at the height of cancel culture, and I think there was probably some people that just kind of were happy for George to go as well. But when we look at all that cancer culture now, um, you know, possibly we 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 may sometimes be going too far with it. You know, uh, I feel. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Um, we nobody. Uh, well, I, I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a commonly held view that you know maybe some people were ousted a little you know too heinously and stuff like that. But even on the point of you know recording and stuff, I don't know if you've seen that Oasis documentary recently, the Nebworth one, where they were talking about the beauty was that there was no fella in front of you with an iPad or an iPhone live streaming it back to his friend in Africa. That it was true in the moment and I suppose you know we, we have lost a little of that but at the same token where how else would I be speaking to Keith Walsh you know 200 kilometers away exactly yeah so I mean you know you know um, as uh, as Ronan Keaton rightly said you know life is a roller coaster so you know ups and downs peaks and troughs <laughs> I don't know. now I don't know what I'm talking about well, uh, being the radio man you are, you, you, uh, we should probably go back to actually some of your history. So you went from Phantom Radio, that was one of your first gigs, then into Spin, and then to iRadio. Can you talk us through those? Yeah, Phantom was, this, was, a, uh, it was a legal radio station. Uh, I think we were the only people, myself and Joe, um, it was a show, Thursday Challenge, um, 
we were the only people that used our, our proper names, just our first names, though, so we couldn't get arrested for being on pirate radio. But Phantom were great. They gave us a start and they gave us a show and we were on radio. We loved it. Um, I think we did Phantom for, I think, maybe six months to a year. And then we Spin was just starting up. And the stuff we did on Phantom, the, you know, the way we got into radio wasn't necessarily as uh, we didn't want to be jocks or presenters we were writing comedy um and we wanted to we were fans of sketch shows like the fast show and um you know reason mortimer probably came a little bit later but we, we liked comedy we liked characters and we were writing comedy sketches and comedy characters and we wanted to put them somewhere and we thought the television was too it uh, was out of our reach film was too expensive so we went for radio and we we, we did a radio course and um in near FM, the community radio station, and they gave us a show, which led then to us going on Phantom. And what the show was, was effectively just us playing songs and then coming back doing these, like we had a radio soap called Air Fingless. We had some characters. I remember playing the character who was like a local Dublin councillor called Tony Divney, who wanted to fill in the canal to make more room for cars. Um, and that was our thing. It was just like comedy characters. Um, Joe used to do a great George Hook. Um, uh, I remember the, the great Tony Fenton. We did we did Tony Fentoni, and he was a cab. He worked in a cab office, um, so he, it was his job to to to, to call up the guys, um, the taxi drivers, and, and see if there, it was just I, I don't even remember what it was, but it was it was Tony Fentoni uh, to, uh, in a cab office. Um, so we, that that was our thing. That's what we loved doing. And, when, when Spin gave us the gig, it was literally, they said, can you do a show with comedy sketches every Saturday for an hour and you can play some tunes? And we were like, yeah, great, we'll go in and have a laugh, do, do our comedy sketches and play tunes. And um, that was it. But that was the start of, um, I suppose the interest came from doing the writing and playing the characters, but it, it evolved then for me and, and, and for Joe as well, who ended up in News Talk. Separate, we, we, we sort of went our separate ways, but we ended up being radio people then. Joe ended up producing shows and then eventually presenting as well. And, and I became mostly a presenter and kind of stopped writing then, I suppose. And then you went, of course, to iRadio and you were one, you know, one of the, I suppose, key members in its foundation. You were the assistant program manager and quickly went to the program manager. Yeah, yeah, we were, I was the program director when we started and that wasn't new for me because I, I went from, I mean, when I was on spin, I felt like, oh, well, I, I, we'd been there for five years and I was like, well, I, I got itchy feet, I suppose. And I was like, well, I want to learn more. I don't know much about radio. Like the, I was the type of person, like Joe would have ran the desk. He was good at recording stuff. I just turned up and just did silly things. Um, and I felt like I needed to probably go and do my own thing away from Joe to learn because I wasn't, he knew everything, so I didn't need to learn. Do you know what I mean? I was like leaving it up to him to do everything. So I, I kind of, I got sort of itchy feet and I needed to learn more and stand on my own two feet. So I, I went, I went to uh, iRadio and I probably, it was, it was, I bit off more than I could chew because, you know, very quickly I ended up being the program director, starting up a radio station, talking to people who were building studios, testing out the, 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 um, uh, testing out the studios and all that kind of stuff. So it was a baptism of fire, but uh, I learned an awful lot very quickly and uh, got paired up then with Bernard O'Shea and, and we... <laughs> Maybe I'm being called to stage. Um, and we, um, yeah, myself and Bernard O'Shea did the breakfast show then once we got going. And yeah, it was, I learned a lot. 
it was, you know, there was, it's interesting setting up a radio station and also starting a brand new breakfast show with Bernie. You know, we, 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 we learned a lot. And we did, we were pretty crazy. You know, we just kind of, we tried to ignore all the rules of radio for a while. Eventually, eventually, we got, eventually we got the sack, but, you know, it was all good. We didn't get it the sack. It seemed like a bit of a, a Wild West in iRadio and even just radio at the time, you know, some of the prank calls that, uh, you know, I think Fergal Darcy was around, around iRadio, you know, a little around that time as well. And it was a little, it was a lot maybe more, uh, I suppose, free and expansive than it is now. Yeah, well, we had a, our boss, Dan, was very, um, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say reckless. He wasn't reckless. He, he would allow us to be reckless. He'd be like, just, you know, do whatever you want. Basically, just be, do interesting things, like be creative, be crazy, be mental. I remember one time Dan walked into the studio and we were live on our show and Bernard was in one corner building a fort. <laughs> um, and that was our show for the day. It was like me talking to Bernard about building his fort and then playing a few tunes and, and occasionally remembering to take in the news and play the ads, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah, we learned a lot about how to do radio badly, but we, we, we had some great times and, and created some great moments as well. We had a laugh. And then you sharpened up, of course, when you went over to 2FM and you brought Bernard along with you and Jennifer Zamparelli. Yeah, I like that you think that I brought them with me. Um, <laughs> I think that Bernard and Jen got the gig and then it was like, oh, who do we get in? Uh, the thing was, I suppose, it was the same boss, Dan, who went from my radio to somewhere and then he ended up in 2FM. But he obviously he knew myself and Bernard worked well together. He knew Jen and Bernard worked well together. So he was like, OK, we can put the three of them together. So we got brought in for a test and everyone seemed to think it worked well. So we got the gig and... Yeah, I mean, it was my job just to run the desk, play the songs, make sure the ads went on time, make sure the news got played, make sure the right faders were brought up, which I wasn't really brilliant at. But um, it seemed to be kind of <laughs> funny enough that I got away with it. And the lads just had to turn up and and, and be entertaining, which they were immensely. I mean, uh, Jennifer Zamparelli is, I mean, she does a talk show now, but she's, She's hilarious when she's just like, you know, not needing to feel responsible for doing a talk show. Mm. Just is that you, Steve? Yeah. Can I get can I five minutes? All right, man. Sorry. Get You're under the gun, that. are you? I am a little bit, yeah. So um, yeah, it was good times, good times in 2FM. Um and uh yes, I'm I'm in a dressing room here and they're looking for me to do the re- rehearsal before oh. the show, just in case you're wondering what's going on. <laughs> But um, yeah, two FM was 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 good. So uh, yeah, you you had a pretty long stint at two FM as well. Uh, you perhaps pissed off a few people. Ray Darcy being chief amongst those. Yeah, I think Ray was upset with us. We used to sort of do a Ray Darcy. We used to do Ray and Ray. So Bernard would be Ray and I'd be Ray, and we'd sort of talk to each other um, as Ray Darcy. And uh, we probably painted him as a, as as an odd character, which was but it was just a comedy character you know but he I think he got upset I think he kind of said I think he either cornered myself or Bernard one day and he was like he was kind of saying look my kids are in the car and they're listening to that you know so he was he seemed he seemed to just not want us to be doing it uh, which is fair enough um, and I think eventually we just kind of stopped doing it but we really enjoyed doing Ray and Ray because it was just it wasn't anything it wasn't even like it was so off the wall and it was just I'm from Kildare so it was just me probably doing my own accent being like oh I'm Ray Darcy and uh, I say crazy things and when I say crazy things well I say it goes on the show and him getting upset about you know um, silly things and that was it but um, 
we didn't we we didn't really want to upset Ray either, so we did stop doing it after a while. RTE then it came to an end at a, at a certain point. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Then we upset RTE. <laughs> Yeah, this is something maybe you don't want to do, but it's interesting. I mean, I was looking at the listening figures, and your listening figures, even you know, from from when you were axed, were much stronger than the current breakfast show is now. Yeah, we did very well uh, figures wise, and we grew. Like initially, we 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 we, we tanked obviously because we took over from Hector Hockey on a very popular presenter, and uh, initially we we sort of tanked. We halved our audience, I think, in the first six months or something so it looked like oh jesus we're a fact here but slowly we built it you know people got used to us we just kept do- doing we did something completely different to what hector was doing so it took people by surprise and it was uncomfortable listening probably at the start but once we got into our stride people got used to it, it was it was very popular and people really enjoyed it. and i think it was something in there for everybody adults kids alike you know so um yeah we we, we were very we're very proud of what we did you know but these things happen things come to an end and and you know, it's somewhere like two FM. They want to keep keep the keep it fresh, keep it moving, uh, bring in new presenters, and and that was you know once once that decision was made, that was it. Exactly. Um, just wrapping up. Well, I suppose to final point on two FM. Chris Evans, the British radio DJ, is, is credited at saying that he couldn't listen to radio once he was booted off. Are you in the similar mindset? Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts now, um, and. That's just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that could be a thing. Um, I have occasionally listen to radio, but yeah, it's not that I can't. Maybe it is uh, subconsciously. I mean, and definitely initially I was very kind of angry until I sort of went to therapy and <laughs> figured out that, you know, no, it was no one else's fault and I didn't need to be angry with people. Um, but uh, I'm slowly getting back into listening to radio. Uh, at the moment, I'm happy listening to a lot of podcasts, doing my own thing. Um, and if I, one of the points I try to make is that, you know, I was upset with RT for not finding a job for me after the breakfast show, but the point of doing the show on my own was to prove to myself. And, you know, if I thought I was good enough to work for RT, then, um, what was stopping me from doing my own thing? So that was, that's the whole reason behind doing, doing the live show and and doing my own thing. You got to sort of forget about being angry, forget about, uh, and focus on yourself and and see what you can do yourself. Um, And that's, that's the um, that's where I'm at at the moment. Well, a minute then on Pure Mental. Uh, of course, your live show, which you are currently touring and are being beckoned to rehearse as we're recording this. You were here in Castlebar only a few days ago. You are touring around the place. What's it been like, you know, actually bringing this show out into the open after a long time, I'm sure, writing it and, and putting it together? And what's the audience b- reaction been like? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we've about two years putting this together. Myself and Janet Moore, and the director, and she um, uh, has has helped me write it as well. So, um, and the Riverbank produced it, the, the Riverbank Arts Centre, Newbridge. So, yeah, we, we we've been this has been a long time sort of in the making, and it was nice to get out on the road. Interesting, uh, obviously, as I grow into the role and get more comfortable with the stage and and with the script, it, it's getting better all the time. Um, great audience in Castle Bar and. We were in Blanchardstown was the last one. We're in Port Leash now tonight. Blanchardstown was the last one in Dublin. Really great audience. Nice amount of people came out despite COVID, despite restrictions, and really kind of really laughed at all the right places. So they really lifted the whole thing. And it could have been just because I was delivering it properly, but definitely there was something something in the air where the, where the two planets aligned. They were up for it. I was up for it. It was a really great show, and I was absolutely buzzing afterwards. You know, there was 
there was moments during it that I was like, this is just, I can't, I can't, I, can't, I couldn't, um, I felt like I was, I couldn't breathe because the, the audience, the energy from the audience was so much. I felt like I'm losing my breath here. I need to <laughs> remember to breathe and keep going. You know, it was just, it was overwhelming. So I was very appreciative of that. So yeah, it's, it's going well. This Thank might God. sound a, a little layman, but what exactly is the play? Because it looks like it's just a, a monologue with kind of a, a chair and a, a yellow background it is kind of all the shots that you can see online. Yeah, it's literally um, it's me uh, talking about uh, my midlife crisis when the when the, when the breakfast show finished up, um, and I go back into my past. I talk about going to therapy. I reenact moments in therapy. I reenact moments from my past, and um, you know things that might have affected me in my future, like uh, things um, things I've carried with me. You know when difficult when you have difficult times in your childhood uh, and you don't deal with them properly. And in your adulthood, uh, you, you, they tend to colour how you see the world. So it was about me going back and looking at these things again, talking to my therapist, talking about therapy, and sort of ending up in a place where I realised that I had everything that I needed, but I just couldn't see it, you know. Well, Keith, you have been very generous with your time. I'm sure the rehearsal people are quite annoyed now. So we will let you go. Thanks, thanks a million, Keith. Thanks for having me, Jack. I better go before I get sacked from this job as well. Right, exactly. Well, there you go. That was Keith Walsh. You can uh, buy tickets, I'm sure. Is there any more pure mental gigs around? Yeah, there's loads. Yeah, I don't know when this is going out, but we're in, we just, just got to Riverbank Arts Centre, Google Riverbank Arts Centre, pure mental. And we've got gigs coming up in Donegal, in Kilkenny, in uh, Ennis, in uh, Thurless, in Cavan. So plenty of got seven or eight left so so yeah plenty plenty more keith available for all right thanks keith thanks jack keith walsh there excellent excellent chat with them we had gen i genuinely had another page of stuff prepped including the siblings or dating game i was just going to spring it upon him and see did keith walsh of 2fm fame mind playing that game we didn't get to, but who knows, maybe another time. Well, a few things to get to, kind of, I, I don't even want to say news, because genuinely, this show has never really reported news. Some of the items we've decided not to go with include Dickinson's real deal, Punter is shocked as his item goes for three times the price, and Sex in the City goes woke. So that's how, you know, we've got journalistic standards here. But one of the just fun clips that is really, really good. I came across this, what has to be like a, a while ago now, and I didn't get to, to, get to uh, bring it to, to you people until now. It's genuinely incredible. It's this clip of a man who has just got out of prison, and you think, well, geez, you've just got out of prison. What would you do? And it's, it's a fascinating idea. He's been in prison since 1999. So, I don't know, uh, maybe try an iPhone, uh, have a sleep in a normal bed, maybe. There's a myriad of things you could do. I suppose go skydiving, enjoy your freedom. Uh, you know, ride a motor, ride a motorcycle while drinking cans of Stella. Just something that really encapsulates "I'm free." Get a tattoo. No, this man decides to do a full-on review of the Red Bull Energy Drink because apparently the Red Bull Energy Drink hadn't come out when he committed whatever heinous crime got him locked up for 20 years have a have a look this is my first red bull ever
um, it's not as like shockingly tasty as I thought it would be. It's a mild fruit flavor and there's like zero carbonation. I don't feel any fizz or bubble. And um, I'm interested to see what Monster and Rockstar has to offer against this. I like firstly, right? I like firstly that he isn't satisfied by the drink. Now, I have to assume in prison, it's mainly water uh, or, you know, some kind of bathroom concocted drugs. It's not, you don't, like, the, the pomposity that, ah, uh, no, Red Bull, I'm not really, sugar, caffeine, She's not really feeling that now. He then goes on to uh, say that he's interested to see what what Monster and the other brands come up with. As if, you know, he's become some sort of scholar of energy drinks while spending 20 years in the can. By the way, 20 years in the can means he has to have done something pretty bad. And he's the kind of person that you look at you and you think... What, this guy? This guy, really? This guy was in prison? So, uh, yeah, I really do hope that... uh, the, the reason he was in prison was perhaps for stealing cans of Mountain Dew or something like that for another one of his, you know, famous reviews. But that's the thing. All of these food reviewers and people you see online, that's the incredible part. They may have just spent 20 years locked up because to be that excited about the new flavor of Doritos, which some of these clowns are, and they've got millions and millions of people tuning in, you do maybe have to be isolated from society at one point a danger to society and now completing your rehabilitation within society so that you're going Doritos wow whereas the rest of us go yeah Doritos we've had them for the last 20 years unless you committed a really bad crime Storm Barra jeez this was a very very bad storm I think it almost knocked over one of my bins it was very very bad I, I do think that uh, it, it is funny how we just sometimes, we throw up our hands. I think sometimes when we want a few days off, we go, Gee, storm, yeah, time, time to lock it all down. And the, the fervency that the Irish people follow the weather, well, the weatherman said it, so I must follow it. The weatherman could say that your sister is an alien and you would report her to Homeland Security. That's the kind of fervency that we all love the weather people in this country. It's just bizarre. I, you know, I'm not saying that some people didn't get injured. I'm not sure if anybody lost their lives. But it was it, 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 was, a, it was kind of a non-event, to be honest. You know, somebody sharing a bad, a bad post on Facebook is more harmful than Storm Barra. It really was quite weak. But it did kind of give us Theresa Mannion vibes. Not just us here, the nation of five million people. It also gave one Mia Khalifa. At one time, Pornhub's number one porn star. She now, I don't know, maybe she's at the meekly position of number three or number five. I don't know. I don't keep, to be honest, I don't keep abreast of the charts. Uh, imagine it kind of a, that'd be a good, a top of the pops type, uh, you know, or a Radio 1 countdown uh, or iRadio type, you know, top 40 songs this Friday. Uh, you know, you could definitely do that for porn stars. Probably wouldn't get an advertiser sponsorship though. Well, um, as I say, Teresa Mannion is back. Uh, and I suppose first, you know, so obviously Mia Khalifa uh, duetted the video or used the sound. So we get to that in a minute. But it is really worth looking back at Teresa and just remembering how much of an of a kind of a hero and how much of an incredible moment that was in Irish life. Here, here's a listen. Jump! 
don't make unnecessary journeys, don't take risks on treacherous roads, and don't swim in the sea. Incredibly, people have been spotted in the water here in Blackrock and Salt Hill, both today and yesterday. Theresa Manny, I don't know if that was edited in. I don't remember that at the time that she got flattened by a stop sign. In which case, fair play, Theresa, made out of something special, steel and guts. Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't know if that was edited in or, uh, you know, that seems, it seems a little excessive. But regardless, that was the clip that, you know, everybody was aware of. There was the remix songs, every... DJ who could, you know, manage to stop themselves from feed, feed, feeding, fiending for, from, for ecstasy for about two minutes was able to get on the decks and put in the Theresa Mannion vocal sample with some sort of shite dubstep in the background. Well, Mia Khalifa has got on that trend. She hasn't gone for the, for the dubstep. She's just gone for the original video. And listen, it's tripe you know, and contrite, but it's also quite enjoyable to see your country once again recognised and represented on the national stage. Here you go. Here's Mia Khalifa. Don't make unnecessary journeys. Don't take risks on treacherous roads. And don't swim in the sea. Never swim in the sea. Well, uh, Mia Khalifa and Theresa Mannion, the most odd collaboration you would ever expect. You know, Drake and Hoodie One, uh, you know, I suppose Phil, Phil Collins and Eric Clapton, and now you've got Theresa Mannion and Mia Khalifa. Christmas Jumpers is a segment we are going to be uh, putting a little bit of effort into on this show. We are two weeks, two weeks, are we, I think we're T-minus 15 days until the big day. The, the Queen's Christmas address, the Queen's Christmas broadcast. I don't know uh, who in this country isn't excited to listen to the Queen on Christmas Day. Well, um, I think... Yeah, most people, you certainly, there's a lot of people going around in Celtic shirts in this country that if they seen somebody in their estate watching the Queen's address might have a few words to say. Well, Christmas jumpers, I was looking this up uh, as to kind of, you know, what you could do with the Christmas jumper and, and the various Christmas jumpers, I suppose, that you could, uh, uh, you know, purchase and, and all of the rest. And you've got your bog standard ones, but there's also... A few excellent ones. For example, number one, Mr. Bootlegger. You'll remember Bootlegger describes himself as an alcoholic Welshman living on the dole. He at one point did get employment, but he decided he didn't like that. So he went back to not being employed. So, of course, we've got the Bootlegger. My spidey senses are telling me that Xmas is going to be tasty, baby. So I'm not sure if any of that money goes back to the alcoholic Welshman, but uh, that's that's the first one. You could delight your fan, your fans, if you have fans, uh, but certainly you could delight your friends, maybe horrify your granny and the rest of your, your family. You remember this one as well. This is Barry Wood, the man who was, uh, I suppose, a WhatsApp meme last year and the tail end of this year he also has his own christmas jumper i have a, a big package for you there barry wood is big baz with his package there you go uh, greta thunberg if you wanted to be a complete buzzkill you could also go with a greta thunberg christmas jumper uh, you just wanted to piss all over the season of of cheer you could go uh, how dare you have a merry christmas greta thunberg there and then 
I didn't even think they'd have this when I typed this in to the Google machine, but what came out was incredible. Uh, By the way, I only was looking for the jumper, the Christmas jumper version of this. What we got instead was very different. This is a Mahatma Gandhi baby Christmas suit, right? This is a a baby toddler type getup. Uh, that says Gandhi Christmas on it. There you go. So something, you know, um, if you have a Christmas jumper, uh, you, maybe you make them, maybe maybe you sell them, or, or maybe you just are an aficionado. Let us know, uh, send them over to me, and we'll, we'll have a look at them, because certainly it's time to get really, you know, the, the, not the top, top Christmas jumper possible. Well, as I say, not a lot in the news today, uh, and certainly when you're going to Mahatma Gandhi baby Christmas jumpers, you can tell we're maybe reaching a little bit. But we are going now over to Shelley, who, who, as I explained before, is a wonderful, really interesting person. She has an OnlyFans account, which she set up last year. It seems to be doing quite well. She seems to at least be able to survive on OnlyFans, and she's also delighted by it. Now, uh, to be honest with you, when she first contacted me, I, like a lot of people, thought, okay, only fans, Ireland. Well, you must be in a pretty bad situation to make that decision. And to be honest, it doesn't sound like her relationship with her parents is that great. But also, she was in college, which completely, you know, blindsided me. She was in college uh, doing a very interesting good course you know an ethical moral course the kind of course that if you know it was on your linkedin or whatever people would be giving it the thumbs up instead she gave you she decided to give that up instead for only fans so without further ado shelly you first contacted me a, a number of months ago and it's been a slow walk to get you here but finally yeah. <laughs> you've got the courage to do so so fair play to you <laughs> no, it's hard to get a hold of me. But um but yeah, no, um finally we're actually able to do this. We've been talking about it for quite some time now. Yeah, so Shelley, tell the audience who you are and what you do. <laughs> well, I'm Shelley, I'm eighteen, I'm from Waterford and I do OnlyFans. <laughs> There you go. So OnlyFans, I mean, it's an incredible explosive trend. It feels like, you know, even your postman is on OnlyFans at this point. It is very, very popular. (laughs) And a lot of people are making a lot of money out of it. But it is a jump to go, you know, to step into. I would feel especially in Ireland. What what made you join and when did you start? Well... I joined because I moved out with my parents when I was 17 and I tried finding a job that year. I had no luck. And then at the month before I turned 18, someone mentioned OnlyFans to me and I looked into it. And a month after I turned 18, I started uploading. And then once I got the hang of it, as time went on, I knew this was what I wanted to do and I was actually in college at the time and it wasn't working out and when I found OnlyFans I was like oh my god like this is what I want to do. (laughs) What were you doing in college? (laughs) Special needs assisting so it's quite a 
quite a different um, line of career I chose but <laughs> yeah it's definitely I, think, I suppose you're helping people in both fields but it's yes it's definitely <laughs> yeah 100 percent 100 percent definitely a, a lot different did the people on your course ever mention it to you you know when you when you first started do people around where you live know about it or was it very much online um well, not that much people from my course knew, but one of them that did know, they actually subscribed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, but um, so it but, paid yeah, off, no, I suppose. That, sorry. It paid off. At least you was that one of your first customers. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, no, not that much people from my hometown knew, but like, of course, people like around my age and my friends of course they know my friends they're so supportive like and in the community as well like the other girls doing OnlyFans we have we're so like supportive and like that's what you need like mm. and we have really good support like we just support each other like I remember the first time I ever tried making something or selling something online, not only fans, but the minute you upload it, you think that, you know, 10 million people are going to come and you're going to be driving around in a Ferrari by Tuesday. And that, that usually doesn't happen. Did that happen with you and OnlyFans immediately after posting and, you know, setting up the account? Was it this incredible explosion or did it take a while to build up? Um, like for me, like... I like to think that I just got very lucky. Like I knew people that also started OnlyFans as well, but like for them, they didn't reach the level that I kind of got. Um, not as fast, anyways. But I think, I think just how I gained the followers like so fast was just consistency, like just putting in the work and as well as that um I think it was maybe to do with the fact that I was 18 as well <laughs> like just turned 18 maybe that had a role in it but yeah it was just consistency um was the main thing and promotion so when you decide to set up the account and maybe even before when you're just deliberating and thinking about it and thinking about the pros and the cons did you have a set guideline for yourself that okay I'll post uh you know I'll post topless but I won't uh you know I, I won't take off anything else or did you immediately feel like you were just going to go and show everything to the world um, when I first started, I actually didn't show my face and I also like wore like lingerie. But then as time went on, you know, I was just kind of like, fuck it. Like, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like just as time went on, I kind of came out of my shell a bit and, you know, like I started like being fully explicit then I got rid of the wig I got rid of the glasses and you know I think seeing like how my subscribers like reacted to that it just gave me confidence and it didn't make me like feel weird or anything like that where you are now Shelley you know that I know in terms of OnlyFans is it enough to sustain a living can you afford a night out can you afford you know clothes how are you doing yeah like 100% like I'm actually doing OnlyFans full-time at the moment um 
I was doing bartending, but obviously, as you know, the bars are closing because um, of restrictions. But yeah, like if you put in the work and just promotion as well, like, you know, you, you can like 100% make a living off of this. When you're doing OnlyFans, you know, you have to stay consistent at everything. What's the daily routine like for you? Do you have a set uh, schedule as to the, the content you're going to upload? Does OnlyFans really dictate your life, you know, posting every day? How does it actually impact your life? Well, when I first started, I had a routine. Um, I used to wake up, I used to make my coffee, I used to join some college classes then I, I used to do OnlyFans work for the rest of the day instead of doing assignments. But, um, but yeah, and then I used to upload, then just do my own thing, just relax or whatever for the rest of the evening. But right now, um, I pretty much have the same routine, except I'm not in college. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I just take like, bit of time out my day to make content then I'll upload and then throughout the day I'll just be on and off just checking out seeing did I get any new messages or need a reply to people and etc. Have you ventured any further into that kind of world have you tried pole dancing or stripping or or anything like that? (laughs) Yes I'm, I'm actually a stripper as well and I do a little bit of pole dancing I, I need to actually work <laughs> work on that but um but yeah no I'm actually a stripper as well but I've only been stripping about two or three months and but what is the process like being a being a stripper what how, how is how is that is it clubs is it I don't know uh, bachelor parties or stags or Hindus what what exactly is the, um, is the whole thing like yeah no it's a it's a club but I can do stag do's and and all that as well but um but yeah no I work at a club and I actually really enjoy it like honestly like the club and OnlyFans is probably one of the best things that I ever decided to do um it just and even in the club like you know like the girls they're all supporting each other there as well like you know like that's that's what you need you know like we have such great support and everyone there is so nice and you know we all just get along and everything and we all work hard as well so yeah I really enjoy it and so obviously personally you are really enjoying this I suppose lifestyle change how are other people in your life reacting you talked about your parents a bit maybe rocky relationship there your boyfriend as well you know surely these kind of relationships uh, will be maybe frayed by uh, you know yeah. only fans and stripping and all of those things yeah um my family don't know but you know I'm doing this for myself like I'm living you know I'm doing what makes me happy and if so anyone... do you are you telling them yeah I'm working in Tesco or are you just not in contact <laughs> with them um they just think I'm a bartender <laughs> <laughs> they just think I'm just bartending well um they don't they don't realize that you know I'm a bartender by day you know only fans girl it's stripper by night <laughs> but but yeah no my, my friends they're so supportive like honestly like I'd honestly be lost without them you know like like honestly like 
they're just so good like and everything like and they always they never criticize me or anything they always show that like they're there for me like every step of the way have you been doing only fans while in a relationship um no i'm actually single um i've been single since january but in december when I was thinking about doing OnlyFans, I had a boyfriend at the time and he was going to let me do it while I was in a relationship with him. But I, I actually <laughs> broke up with him the following month. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah um, but yeah, no, like I personally, like I, I just want to stay single for a bit. And even when I get into my next relationship, I don't want to be dating someone that has a problem with me doing only fans because it's something that i really enjoy i wonder you know kind of being a saleswoman to a degree of sex from pole <laughs> dancing stripping and only fans does it actually destroy you know your actual sex life you know just just the you know the what the regular nine to five joe you know has sex once or twice a week does that kind of you know i suppose in your free time does it destroy it because it's the product that you are selling to the world you know um no like you know personally like it doesn't interfere with like my sex life or anything like that um like personally but like maybe for other people it might but for for me it doesn't like you know like I'm not sure maybe it's just because of how I am or maybe it's just because I've only been doing this all like still within the last year maybe like it could be like a factor of things would you recommend for other people to join OnlyFans do you think it's a it's something that after dipping your toe in the water you would say to other people to go ahead and try yeah 100% I think people should like at least try it and see how it goes but obviously this lifestyle would not suit a lot of people like of course there's people out there that have families that would legit cut them off just just like that stop contacting them just because of this lifestyle so like it's it's not for everyone but the people that are able like to like the people that do want to do it and you know and they have a good support from family and friends I think that they should at least try it just once and see how it goes do you have younger siblings um yes I do I actually have a brother that's 13 and a sister that's 15 if when you know when they become of age they were to talk to you about OnlyFans to them would you recommend it um but like if if them or anyone in general came to me and said they wanted to try it, you know, I'd, I'd honestly be there to support them and to give them advice and to tell them the pros and the cons. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to them and what they think is best for them. So looking back so far, being a bartender by day and uh, <laughs> a stripper pole dancer, only fans grow by night for the last 18 months or so, do you have any regrets or do you feel like, you know, it was the right thing to do to to leave the college and instead go down this route? Um, Like, honestly, I'm so happy I found all this, like, you know, the OnlyFans and the stripping. And I just wanted the bartending too. Um, it's honestly because 
like I wasn't sure if special needs assisting was what I wanted to do and like I always struggled in school just because I have issues with learning in school so school was always so frustrating for me like it was really frustrating and like you know it, it was really hard and everything I tried doing special needs assisting just because I wanted to have you know I knew I wanted to do something to have something under my belt but you know while doing special needs assisting you know I was frustrated at the time like the, it was the course wasn't going so well like I wasn't sure like I was worried about the future you know like I, I was worried and everything but once I found OnlyFans and stripping I, I knew this was what I wanted to do and I was happy as I found something I wanted to do because once you enjoy doing something it doesn't feel like you're working maybe something for um, all the guidance counselors out there to take a note of that only fan stripping <laughs> is you know definitely something that can bring a lot of joy and a, a career path uh, are you subscribed to other people's only fans you know, uh, many people in different industries will, you know, use, I'm sure, people who write books, read other people's books to see, you know, uh, to, to understand where the book publishing industry is going. Is it the same in OnlyFans? Do you, are you subscribed to other girls or guys OnlyFans to kind of maybe take some of what they do and put it into your own content? Um, well, like, I'm not subscribed to any other people at the moment, but when I first started OnlyFans, or yeah, even a month before I started OnlyFans, I subscribed to someone just because I needed to see what it was like and to see, you know, just to get a feel of like like how to go about it and everything like that. And I not currently subscribe to people, but I actually helped people set up OnlyFans. Even even some males I helped set up OnlyFans and yeah like you know like people usually come to me for advice and like and all that and like you know I just tell them how it is you know doing only fans finally doing only fans is there obviously you get a lot of requests is there requests that you say no I, I just can't do that <laughs> or is there very odd requests I'm sure yes um I can't say some of them just because <laughs> this might get banned on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. But one of the weirdest requests I got, um, someone actually asked me if I had my actual school uniform, <laughs> like my actual school uniform, mm. like not schoolgirl costume, like my, my actual school uniform. And like I dropped out of school, but like and that's going to be know, a difficult still, one to explain to mum and dad. Yeah, you know. Like, even <laughs> I, I said to him, I was like, "I'll wear the schoolgirl costume, but I'm not going to go to Dunn stores and buy a school <laughs> uniform because that's a bit that's a bit crossing the line." Mm. <laughs> so that's yeah. There's definitely a lot. Well, um, f finally, uh, Shelley, we always bring a game onto the show, especially with guests. Are you up for a game? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Do you think you would be able to identify whether somebody is a singer, uh, or well, well, whether somebody is a porn star or a country and western <laughs> singer? Okay, okay. So this is the game. I don't know if you can see that there. Yeah. There yeah. yeah. Okay. So porn star or west or country and western singer. <laughs> First one. Do you think this girl is a porn star or a country and western singer? Um, I say maybe, 
maybe a porn star, maybe. Well done, one nil. <laughs> this girl, do you think she is a porn star or a country and western singer? Very beautiful, but she could be a country and western singer. Yeah, I'm gonna say the country singer, maybe. Two nil. Oh. <laughs> this girl here DJing she seems to maybe have an active nightlife she could be a porn star but at the same token a country and western star could be a DJ this also is, this is actually a hard one <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ um oof um maybe maybe a porn star well done maybe. three out of three oh. <laughs> Actually, a hard one, like, yeah, that's famous porn star <laughs> Sasha Gray. There, this girl, she again, very beautiful, but it seems to be at some sort of award ceremony. But it could be for porn or for country music, country <laughs> western. Uh, I'm going to say country singer. Okay, your first loss there, she is in fact a porn star. Next one, last one, in fact. Here it is. She looks very much like a, a, a country and western singer, but it could be old school porn. Mm. Yeah, this is also a hard one because she has the cowboy hat on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she could either write, be writing a bull or a person. So, like, exactly. I, I don't know. Um, I just say country singer just because of the hat, but like... Well done. That's okay. four. So just one wrong. Well done, Shelly. That's, you, you are the highest performing of any guest in terms of our games ever, so well done. <laughs> oh, thank you. There you go. Thanks, thanks for that, Shelly. If people want to subscribe to your, to your OnlyFans, where do they go? Um, well, they can look me up on Instagram at ShellyBJs or... Type in Shelly BJ's on OnlyFans. BJ's is not your surname. <laughs> well, it's not my birth surname, no. but like, <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's where they can find me. So, Sh Shelly BJ's on Instagram, you'll find it there. Thanks so much, Shelly. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Well, of course, uh, that brings us to a close for the programme. Thank you all for joining me here on this Friday. Keith Walsh, uh, Shelley, and indeed, Cahill O'Boyle. Thank you all for uh, chipping in and helping me keep along. Indeed, as well, the fine gentleman who found himself locked up for 20 years. Uh, he then decided to review a Red Bull can. Fair play to him. Uh, Mia Khalifa, Theresa uh, Mannion, and indeed, all of those who went into creating those those Christmas jumpers. Well, we will be back here next week, so please stay tuned and we will see you then.